Hello and good morning to the 2021 Mountain West champions. You are listening to the Sports Desk Podcast, the official podcast of the Utah Statesman. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Parker Ballantyne. And Utah State, obviously the big news of the day, of the weekend, of the week, of the month, of the year. The Utah State Aggies are your 2021 Mountain West champions. They went down to L.A. and beat San Diego State in a blowout game. They put the beat down on the Aztecs, and Utah State is the champion. So congratulations to the Utah State Aggies. It was it's been a huge year. It's been a great year for Utah State. So that's obviously the big game of the weekend that we are going to be talking about on this Monday morning episode. But basketball's in full swing, and we had a really exciting game last week against St. Mary's as well that we're going to have to talk about a little bit because uh, it was pretty crazy. It was a, it was an odd way to end the game. Um, I wrote the recap on that game, and I'm not going to lie, it was a little bit difficult to figure out what even to write because – the first 99% of the game was really good for Utah State, and it fell apart right at the end. I'm not going to blame the refs. I don't think you should blame the refs because I don't think the refs are to blame. By the way, the players and coaches agree with me, or at least they say they do. Um, and they, they mentioned that in their postgame interviews that we, uh, in the postgame press conference, when we were talking to the players and the coaches, they uh, they talked about how it wasn't the refs' fault. Um, but yeah, that's not how you want to see a game end, and... Um, you never want to see referees kind of decide the game the way they did, uh, no matter what way the game goes. You'd always rather have, um, have have the whistle not be blown and let the game play on, and especially in a situation like that, going to overtime and, and things like that. So you, definitely an unfortunate way to end the game. Nobody liked it that way, and that's something that no one's been quiet about. Um, even the winning head coach, Randy Bennett, found something to be upset about so definitely not the way you want a game to end so we'll talk about that first and then we will talk about obviously the Mountain West Championship game the Utah State won um I still can't get over it I still can't believe it waking up every morning as a champion is amazing um and it's a good feeling um so we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the uh the LA Bowl that we were invited to and accepted an invitation to so uh let's jump into the basketball game because that was uh that was a crazy game that we played last week against a really good St. Mary's team um, a St. Mary's team that will spend time in the top 25. Um, they will probably be playing in March, if I had to guess. I think the West Coast Conference this year is a two- or a three-bid league. If you look at Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's, I'm not sure who you're going to leave out come March. Um, only one team can win the tournament and earn the automatic bid. All signs point to that being Gonzaga, again, as it usually is. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if St. Mary's and BYU both are in the tournament on at-large bids because they're both really good. So St. Mary's is a great team. Uh, we have the counterpart of that game, BYU, this upcoming week. Make sure you're getting down to Provo for that. I know, I don't want to go to Provo either. Nobody wants to spend time down there. But when it's to watch the Aggies beat the Cougars, it's worth it. Um, but the St. Mary's team, the West Coast Conference is is elite, and and so it, it wasn't a bad loss. Um, it's it's going to look nothing like our UC Davis loss on Selection Sunday, I'll say that much. But Utah State played really well, I thought, in that game. Um, we all knew or we thought that would be a game that went close. Um, I heard a couple people th- like assuming or predicting that we were going to get blown out. I never saw that happening. I, I we, we talked about it. We thought it was going to be close. We thought and hoped Utah State would come out on top. 
um, but it was a close game. The first half wasn't really that close, however. Um, Utah State got out ahead and led the entire first half. There were no ties other than 0-0 to start. No ties, no lead changes. Utah State was in the driver's seat. They were able to control the pace of the game, which is a huge thing, especially against the St. Mary's team, but it's a huge thing for this Utah State team that they're trying to do every game um, because if they can control the pace of the game, you can control how the game goes and how many possessions your opponent gets and how many possessions you get. So they did a really good job of asserting their will on the Gales early on in the first half, um, largely due to Justin Bean and his scoring ability and his defensive ability. But Utah State's defense was really suffocating that St. Mary's team. Um, St. Mary's shot 0 for 12 from 3 in the first half, which is something that you're not going to see a lot. St. Mary's is a pretty good shooting team. Um, and so for Utah State to be able to force them into shooting 0-12, the way they did that was they were hugging their shooters and forcing other players to take those shots and forcing bad shots from behind the arc. So instead of giving up wide-open catch-and-shoot corner threes or anything like that, they were forcing shots off the dribble, above the break, from their players that weren't ready to be taking those shots. That's, that's what defense is all about. Um, is forcing the other team to play the offense that you want them to play. Um, a lot of times people think defense is about blocking shots and getting steals. That's part of it, but that's a small, small part of it. Um, even when we had Nemeas Kata last year, blocking shots wasn't anything that could ever save a game if that's the only thing you were doing on defense. Um, and same goes for steals. You're taking away possessions and you're putting the ball the other way, giving yourself an opportunity to score, often in transition, which is huge. But if they just get the ball back and do whatever they want on offense, um, it's it's all for nothing, basically. So Utah State's defensive strategy is really, really good, where they're just trying to force the opposing team to take uncomfortable shots, take rushed shots, and they want their shots coming from places the opposing team doesn't want their shots coming from. Um, we see this going the other way, too. A great example is when... Opposing teams will hug Brock Miller, prevent him from getting the ball for a catch-and-shoot three, and in previous years they would try to force people like Nemeas Keita or uh, even Justin Bean in previous years to catch the ball behind the arc and try to force them into a shot. Uh, this year it's not going to work so much with Justin Bean, but you still might see that same strategy where um, they're going to try to hug Brock, prevent him from getting the ball, force shots to come from Justin Bean outside the perimeter. Um, so that, that's kind of what the defense was looking like, and it was really good. Utah State was dominating that first half, um, led by as many as eight, which for the game that they were playing was a lot. It was not a high-scoring game in the first half. Uh, at the end of the half, it was 16-20 to 20 for Utah State. So low-scoring game, and I think that's part of what came back to hurt Utah State in the second half because if you're going to hold a team to 0-12 from three, hold a team to 16 points in the first half, you have to be able to capitalize on that. That game easily could have been 38-12 to 12 for either team the way both teams were shooting. Uh, Utah State, for as well as their defense was playing, was a little bit slow on offense to start the game as well. Justin Bean was basically the only scorer in the first half. He scored the first uh, six or eight points for the Aggies, um, and the offense just wasn't really clicking. 
they were able to keep themselves in the ball game ahead of the Gales with their defense, and that's exactly what we need. I mean, when your offense isn't clicking, we need to have that defense that can step in, hold a team to 16, hold an elite team, by the way, to 16 points in a half, um, because we've talked about it on the show. We've talked about it um, a lot, frankly, on the show with Jacob and I. Um, this offense is a, for lack of a better term, high-risk, high-reward offense. They're shooting a lot of threes. They're moving the ball around a lot. Um, a high percentage of their shots are assisted field goals. So it's a offense that when it's humming, you have the opportunity to go out there and score 93 points in a college game. But when it's not working, you can score 69 and lose to UC Davis. See, so there's the both sides of it. Um, you can only score 58 against St. Mary's and lose. So that high-risk, high-reward offense really relies on a sturdy, sturdy defense to stay in ballgames sometimes. And that's what it was the first half of this game. Utah State's defense made up for the lack of offense. And like I said, either team, if they could just figure it out offensively, they would have gone into halftime with a 40-point lead because the other team was just not knocking down shots. So... Utah State's inability to capitalize on St. Mary's going 0-12 I think really hurt them. Uh, St. Mary's going 0-12 or anyone shooting that poorly on on offense is not sustainable. Um, players are just too good these days, uh, especially on most of the teams that we have left. Um, we have Portland State. We have New Orleans that are maybe a little bit uh, inferior to Utah State in a lot of ways. But everyone in the conference, Weber State and Iowa, those are teams that they're going to shoot the ball well. They're, they have athletes, they got ballers that are going to be able to score. No one on our schedule other than maybe New Orleans and, and Portland State, but even then I, I would not include them in this. No one is going to go 0 for 12 in a half and then go 0 for 12 in the second half. No one's going to go 0 for 24 in a game from three. That's just not going to happen. The people people are going to score. The law of average is going to, is going to catch up to, to teams. And Utah State's inability to get out ahead of St. Mary's when they weren't able to score hurt them. We all knew going into halftime, the shots were going to start falling for St. Mary's. That's just what happens in basketball. That's just what the law of averages says. So we knew St. Mary's was going to start scoring. Um, And to Utah State's credit, St. Mary's came out and scored a lot in the second half. And Utah State was able to stick with them for the most part. St. Mary's came out and scored 44 in the second half compared to 16 in the first. We saw that coming. We knew the offense was going to pick up. But Utah State answered with 38 of their own. Wasn't quite enough. You lose by two. But if Utah State was able to score 40 or hold St. Mary's to 42 rather than 44, it would have gone into overtime. Uh, and my money would have been on the Aggies in an overtime game. So the offensive production picked up for St. Mary's. As we knew would happen, Utah State was able to match it. Now... In that first half, had Utah State been able to go out and get a 20-point lead on St. Mary's poor offensive performance, that changes the whole dynamic of the game. Taking a four-point lead into halftime isn't enough to really break the spirit of the opponent, especially when it's St. Mary's. So a two-possession game at halftime after a dominating performance, but only only a two-possession game wasn't quite enough. If you had gone out and had a double-digit lead at that time, um, St. Mary's comes out and probably is, is flat and a little bit deflated and, 
and demoralized. And that's that would have been huge. And I think that's kind of what happened in that second half is St. Mary's came in, revitalized, went on this offensive surge. Utah State was able to match um, and was still leading for almost the entire game. St. Mary's only led for just over five minutes in the entire game, all late in the second half, um, which is when it counts, right? We've, we've talked about it before in football. Um, that's what counts the most. But um, definitely a frustrating comeback for St. Mary's from an Aggie perspective. And a lot of it is due to just the fact that we couldn't really ever put them away. Uh, we came close, like I said, eight-point lead at one time. Um, but if you have an eight-point lead and Brock hits two back-to-back threes like he's done before, um, that game changes drastically, right? If Ryland Jones hits a three, Brock hits a three. Um, everything changes. We were just never able to really put them away and and run away with it like we have against other teams, like we did against Richmond and like we did against um, New Mexico State. Uh, it would have been great to see something like that didn't fall our way, and that's fine. The last two minutes, I think, are the most notable part of that. The last 20 seconds, really. So I'll try to go through that last minute as as well as I can. Um, with about one minute left, St. Mary's finally has a two-point lead. They've, they've come back, fought all game long, uh, wouldn't go away. They finally have a two-point lead, and... Ryland Jones gets a steal. St. Mary's has a ball. Ryland Jones gets a steal. Ball goes the other way. Brandon Horvath gets fouled, hits both shots. Tie game at 58. St. Mary's gets the ball going the other way, well under a minute at this point in the game. Um, shot clock's still in effect, but not by much. And Dan Foto of St. Mary's starts to go to work in the post, starts to post up, trying to take a late lead. Won't be the last shot, but he's trying to take a late lead in the game. And RJ Idlerock sneaks around him and just strip steals him. Just takes the ball right out of his hands and just goes. The ball goes the other way. And at this point, the shot clock is off. Or or very close to being off. I, I can't remember, but it's 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 going the other way. I think it's off. Utah State now looking to take take a lead of their own and win the game. Justin Bean drives, misses, rebound, goes out to Ryland Jones, who catches it, takes a deep above the break three, and misses. And at this point, should be going to overtime. It's 58-58. The clock is expiring. And the referees make a call that many didn't agree with they call a loose ball foul on Justin Bean with .9 to go and the referee that made the call was on the other side of the court he had already started backpedaling to the other side of the court made blew the whistle ran in past two other referees made a call on Justin Bean didn't look like Justin Bean had uh, made much contact on the play quite frankly he was backing away from the play, um, and they make the call. Like I said at the top of the show, it's not how you want a, a game to end. You don't want a referee to decide the game. It's tied with the buzzer going off. I think everyone would agree, objectively, St. Mary's might disagree in this specific case, but I think the general understanding and the general agreement is in a case like that, unless it's an egregious foul, which this was not. It was certainly not an obvious foul. I'm not going to argue that there was a foul. I, I don't. That's not my place. But it certainly wasn't obvious or egregious. 
But without an obvious foul there, I think most people would collectively agree uh, that it's best to just let the clock hit zero and let that game go into overtime, let the boys decide it on the court. The referees had a different idea. They uh, they called a foul, which sends Alex Dukas to the free throw. He makes both. So it's a, it's a two-point game for St. Mary's. At that point, Utah State makes a baseball throw across the, across the court. Justin Bean catches it, calls immediately a timeout. There's .6 left, and um, they run an inbound play for Justin Bean to go up and grab it in the post, in the lane. He's... Uh, fights through a lot of contact, no whistle. The referees kind of converse for a minute, decide it's ball game, and they kind of run up the tunnel. They were gone. So the two things that most people had issues with were the call against Utah State, against Justin Bean, that probably should have been a no call. And then right after, when Justin Bean's trying to go up and get the ball and get a tip in, um, he is is fighting through a lot of contact that wasn't called. I think people wanted a foul there, which would have sent Justin Bean to the line and sent that game to overtime. Um, me, personally, I would have liked to see no fouls called at all. A lot of people were calling a, a tr- for a travel the on the play that Justin Bean was was called for a foul um, because the play did go to the ground. Uh, St. Mary's player came up with the rebound and, and fell to the ground. Um, but it was all loose ball. I, I don't think that it was a travel. I don't think there was a foul. I, I would have liked to see that game go to overtime. That's my opinion. Um and then, of course, uh, Randy Bennett was unhappy with, with this or that and, and stormed off the court as well without uh, shaking most of our coaches' hands. Um, it just got real messy there at the end. Um, that being said, St. Mary's is a team that we should play every year. That was a fun game, and geographically it makes sense. And uh, for those of us like me that are old enough to remember, we actually do have quite a, quite a history with St. Mary's. Um, it's a fun rivalry. It's, it's fun. I don't think either team views it as a rivalry. Um, but it, it is a fun little rivalry. It's a fun little relationship we have with, with that team, and I'd love to see it play every year. So um, so Utah State basketball, with that loss to St. Mary's, falls to 6-2 and two on the season, and in my opinion, only one bad loss, and it's not to St. Mary's. Uh, definitely that UC Davis loss. St. Mary's not a bad loss. Um, let's move on to football now, um, because that's the big news. That's, that's what's going on right now. Utah State has won the Mountain West Championship for the first time in school history. I couldn't be more happy. I couldn't be more proud. I It took everything in me to wait to do a regularly scheduled podcast for, on Monday morning. We are going to do a bonus episode, um, but I, I almost hopped on that night and just um, and recorded a podcast right then. I was, so, I was so excited. I am so excited. This team has been through so much. If you look at the past 12 months last season to this season look at just what has happened this season I mean this team has worked so hard gone through so much so for them to be able to win the Mountain West Championship is so amazing to me and I'm so excited Um, let's take a closer look at that game it wasn't close Utah State beat down on the Aztecs and it was it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen Utah State has Pretty good history against the the San Diego State Aztecs in championship games, um, and this was no different. Forty six to thirteen for Utah State in the championship game. Forty six to thirteen. Not even close, and an absolute beating. Forty six is the most any team has ever scored in the Mountain West championship game, and that goes back to when BYU, Utah, and TCU were in the conference. 
Mountain West history. It's also the most that San Diego State has allowed all year and the most that Brady Hoke has allowed as a head coach in his two tenures and four years at San Diego State. 46 points is a lot of points. And to drop it on the Aztecs, the vaunted Aztecs defense was something special. That's not the only thing that was special. Um, Utah State absolutely dismantled the highly vaunted Aztecs defense, the world-renowned Aztecs defense, but they also made a fool, an absolute fool, of Matt Ariza, the so-called punt god. We blocked two of his punts. One was an outright block, like blocked with a hand, normal blocked punt. The other one, we just straight up pushed his blocker back so far that Ariza punted it off his numbers. Two blocked punts for the punt god. Utah State just dismantled this team and embarrassed them. It was it was the most amazing thing ever. As a reward, Utah State, of course, will be playing in the L.A. Bowl. They will be playing the Oregon State Beavers. That'll be a fun game. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're making travel arrangements to get to L.A. SoFi Stadium on December 18th. Uh, there's nothing else you, you should be doing, unless, of course, you're traveling out to Sioux Falls to watch Utah State basketball play Iowa. Those are the only two uh, acceptable places you can be that day. Huge day for Utah State sports, by the way. December 18th. Circle that day on your calendar. Um, So Utah State will be in the L.A. Bowl uh, presented by Stifle. Let's look a little bit closer at that San Diego State game. If for some reason you haven't watched it, you should. It's still worth watching even though you know the ending. It was that good of a game. Utah State just routing San Diego State start to finish. Utah State gets out, doesn't score in the first quarter. Nobody scores in the first quarter. Second quarter, Utah State scores 14 to San Diego State's 3. And then in the third quarter, Utah State scores 15 to San Diego State's 3 again. And then in the fourth quarter, Utah State scores 17, and we give up a pity touchdown to San Diego State. They score 13. 46-13, final score. It was almost 46-6, to six, but like I said, we gave him a pity touchdown. We felt bad for him. Logan Bonner, who I think now legally owns San Diego State University, I'd have to look closer into that to see uh, how that transfer of power works from Sam Merrill, the current owner. But Logan Bonner goes 29-42 of 42 completion, throws for 318 yards, Four touchdowns and only one interception. QBR of 93. He also ran a couple times, once for 12 yards. Receiving was a shared effort once again. Um, San Diego State did everything they could do to shut down Devin Tompkins. Of course, that wasn't possible, but it did provide an opportunity for Brandon Bowling and Derek Wright to have really great nights. Brandon Bowling with eight receptions. 154 yards and two touchdowns. His longest of the night was 58 yards. Derek Wright had six receptions, 57 yards, a touchdown, and a 15-yard reception for his longest. Devin Tompkins, despite the Aztecs' best efforts, still got nine touches for 46 yards, a long reception of nine. Justin McGriff as well, three receptions, 42 yards, a touchdown. His longest was 24. El Elion Noah caught the ball once, for eight yards, 
Calvin Tyler Jr. caught the ball once for seven yards, and Carson Terrell caught the ball once for four. On the ground, Utah State had 65 yards. Calvin Tyler Jr. coming up with 41 of those yards on 17 carries and a touchdown. El Elyon Noah had seven carries for 29 yards, and that was just about it on the ground. Devin Tompkins ran the ball once. On what looked like a trick play, I think he was supposed to throw it. That's what it looked like. Um, he was he was tackled. It, it broke down, but definitely a more pass-heavy game uh, on this San Diego State team. Uh, we, we racked up 318 yards in the air against the Aztecs. What did the Aztecs do? Well, they had... 167 yards in the air, 148 on the ground. Um, they also had three fumbles and lost two of them. We didn't lose any fumbles. Utah State's defense was also notable, um, incredibly notable. Nick Henniger, for one, seems to have the night of his life. He only had one tackle. It was a solo tackle, but he blocked like two or three passes out of the quarterback's hands and hurried him up a couple times as well. In addition to that, Justin Rice did Justin Rice things. He had 10 tackles, six of them solo, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss. Hunter Reynolds was up there too, 10 total tackles, six of them solo, half a tackle for loss. Shaq Bond with eight tackles, six of them solo. A Johnny Carter, seven total tackles, five solo. Byron Vaughns, six total tackles, two solo, one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. Marcus Moore, five total tackles, one solo, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss. And Jalen Bannerman, four total tackles, three solo. Cash Gilliam, three total tackles, two solo. You could go down the list. A.J. Vong Pachong, two tackles, one solo, one sack, one tackle for loss. Utah State's defense embarrassed the Aztec offense, and they, they embarrassed the Aztec defense. You, San Diego State's defense was supposed to be the best defense on the field. They were not. It wasn't close. Utah State's defense was so good. It was all Aggies from start to finish, offense and defense. San Diego State barely showed up. Such a good game. I want to watch the highlights of this game every day. When, when we beat San Diego State a couple years ago in basketball on that buzzer beater from Sam Merrill, I went back and watched that game probably once a week for a couple months. I might do this with this football game. First, first ever Mountain West Championship, and it feels so good. By the way, we scored a safety on the blocked punt, one of the blocked punts, as I mentioned, there were two, on the punt that Matt Ariza parked right off of his defender's back. It bounced back into the end zone. We tried to get back into the end zone and fall on it for a touchdown. Uh, it slipped away and went out the back of the end zone, which was good enough for a two-point safety, the first safety in Mountain West Championship history, um, which is where the 15 points came from in the third quarter. A little, bit, a little bit of a weird scoring pattern there in the third quarter. We had a touchdown, a team safety, and then a touchdown where our extra point was blocked. So a little bit weird, 7-2-6 um, for 15. But that's where, that's where the 15 points came from. Uh, first ever safety in a Mountain West Championship game. U Utah State was just so dominant the entire game. They were breaking up passes. They were rushing the quarterback. Um... They were picking up yards however they wanted to. 
the bend don't break mentality of Ephraim Bonda's defense did give up a decent amount of yards, but only 13 points to show for it. San Diego State ended up with 315 yards compared to our 385. Their 315 yards, however, is still less than Logan Bonner threw on his own. So, just a completely dominant performance by Utah State over the San Diego State Aztecs. Looking forward just a little bit, we do have the L.A. Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, presented by Stifle. A bit of a mouthful, but it will be in SoFi Stadium on December 18th in Los Angeles. And we will be playing the Oregon State Beavers of the Pac-12. That will be a huge game. It will be a really fun game. And you need to be there, so make sure you're getting your tickets to SoFi Stadium for the LA Bowl on December 18th. You don't want to miss it. Um, A little extra news around the conference and around the state just for fun. The University of Utah won their championship against the Oregon Ducks. They will be playing in the Rose Bowl. Congratulations to the Utes. That's good for them. Very happy for that program, not only because uh, they're our neighbors and they're our brothers. They are a program that has been through something this year that I wouldn't wish on any program in the world. Um, I wouldn't wish that on any team in the world uh, for them to have to go through that. Um, A side note as well, we've talked all year about Coach Anderson, and we love Coach Blake Anderson and his leadership and what he's been able to do to this team. But I'd also like to give a shout-out to Coach Kyle Whittingham for his leadership through the past two years and what the University of Utah's program has gone through. Uh, What their football team has gone through is unbelievably sad, unbelievably difficult with the passing, uh, the tragic passing of Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan. Um, It's just an unbelievably sad story and the connection between Aaron Lowe and and Ty Jordan being being good friends and um and and their relationship and 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 so just to reiterate with everything that that program has has had to go through I I just want to give a shout out to Kyle Whittingham for his leadership through that um and and again good for the youths for winning their championship game they'll be playing in the Rose Bowl against the Ohio State Buckeyes um and so Hopefully they, uh, hopefully they can continue to have success. Like I said, they are quite literally our brothers. Um, there's only one battle of the brothers in college football, and it's Utah State, Utah. So uh, that's a great relationship and a great rivalry. Hopefully we can play them again. I got to say this would have been a great year for it with two of the better teams I think each program has seen. Um, I don't know the last time that Utah and Utah State both won championships at the same time. I don't think it's ever happened, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not sure the last time, if ever, Utah has had two conference championships uh, the way we do right now. So huge congratulations to the Utah Utes. Um, Hopefully we can play them again sometime soon. Um, BYU also obviously not playing in a conference championship because they uh, aren't even in a conference. Um, But they will be playing in the Independence Bowl against the UAB Blazers. Um, Let's take a look at the conference. We have the big one, of course, the L.A. Bowl, Utah State University versus the Oregon Ducks, December 18th. That's the big one. We're the champions. That's what we get. We get the big bowl. Uh, the Quick Lane Bowl will feature Nevada and Western Michigan, December 27th. The Frisco Bowl will feature our very own San Diego State Aztecs, the runners-up in the Mountain West Conference because, of course, they lost to Utah State in the championship game. If you haven't heard, San Diego State will be playing the UTSA Roadrunners, 
on December 21st. The Hawaii Bowl will feature hometown team Hawaii, of course, against the Memphis Tigers. The New Mexico Bowl will feature the Fresno State Bulldogs and UTEP. The Potato Bowl, bit of a surprise here. A lot of people assumed it would be Boise State. Boise State will not be playing in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. That will be the Wyoming Cowboys playing against Kent State, a team that we've played in a bowl. And that will be on December 21st as well. The Barstool Arizona Bowl is where the Boise State Broncos will be playing rather than a home game bowl game. They will be playing down in Arizona in the Barstool Arizona Bowl. They will play Central Michigan on December 31st. And the first responder bowl will be our very own Air Force Falcons and the Louisville Cardinals on December 28th. So that's the bowl schedule coming up for Mountain West football. Um, But the biggest one, of course, is the bowl that the champions get to play in, the L.A. Bowl on December 18th. Make sure you get your tickets to go support the Aggies. What a ride it's been. What a year it's been. Um, Such a fantastic year, and what a great way to end it against a Pac-12 team in a big-time bowl game in Los Angeles in SoFi Stadium, a brand-new, beautiful stadium. Haven't been yet. Can't wait to go. Um, So what a great year for Utah State. Um, Like I said earlier, we will have a bonus episode later on this week and, of course, our regularly scheduled episode on Thursday, so make sure you're tuning in for both of those. There's just lots to talk about, especially with that championship game. Um, Just a few other notes here. Coach Blake Anderson, in my opinion, he should have been, obviously, the Mountain West Coach of the Year. He should be in consideration for every Coach of the Year award ever invented. Um, He is already on the recruiting trail. I don't think he spent more than 24 hours back in Logan. Um, The team came back. They partied. Uh, There was a a nice nice party waiting for them at the Mav when they they got back from L.A., Um, but that man is already back on the road. He's already recruiting. Coach Anderson's the man. He he really is one of the one of the best coaches in today's league. Um, this season, he had one of the best seasons of any coach anywhere. Uh, couldn't be more happy to call him my my head coach. Um, we are very lucky to have him at the helm. Um, a few other notes on coaches actually, because things are starting to look interesting. A lot of the coaching carousel has already gone and and a lot of those coaching spots are being filled um usc obviously hiring lincoln riley that position has been filled lsu's position has been filled um notre dame's position has been filled and all of those are obviously dominoes kind of of each other but one coaching move that is still unfolding is actually right here in our own conference colorado state without a coach right now is actually targeting head coach of the Nevada Wolfpack, Jay Norvell, as the school's next coach. I'd be shocked to see that happen, um, but it's being reported pretty credibly. Um, There's communication there. So we'll keep our eyes on that and, of course, the coaching carousel that will uh, continue on into the season. Um, But, yeah, just we are are very lucky to have Coach Blake Anderson at the helm right now um, to help us through this time of Aggie football. Obviously a tumultuous time last year. Um, I mean, even John Hartwell yesterday, talking to Scotty G, uh, basically said that it was turmoil last year, and it really was. So um, for Coach Anderson to be at the helm right now to help us not only change the culture from what it was last year, but to establish a culture or reestablish a winning culture here at Utah State that we've had in the past, um, we are very lucky to have him. 
and that goes for Coach Ephraim Banda and and the rest of the coaching staff as well. Paul Jackson for strength. Um, Anthony Tucker on offense. Chucky Keaton, of course, our very own. Um, we're, we're very lucky we could go through the entire coaching staff. We're very lucky to have each, each and every one of them. You don't win championships with bad coaches, obviously. Um, so it has been a great year um, for Utah State and the conference. Um, that is all I have for you today. Just, again, um, I am so happy for this Utah State team. I'm so proud of that team. So happy to have the coaches that we have. We're very lucky to be Aggie fans at this time. Um, Utah State football, I mean, this is, uh, this is unprecedented highs for the program. Basketball with, with Ryan Odom and, and the guys we have over there seems to be looking really good as well. So uh, just enjoy the ride, man. That's all I got to say is just enjoy this ride because um, it, it's, a, it's a good one. Uh, with Blake Anderson and his football team and Ryan Odom and his basketball team, like I said, an unprecedented achievement um, and new levels of, of high and new heights for the football team and hopefully continued success on the hardwood. Um, thanks for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in, and go Aggies.